What are you going to do, Commissioner? There's only one thing we can do. Batman! Sir, it's the Batfoot. Yes, Commissioner. Batman? We'll be right there. Fifth Bam Pal. This is Batman Land. Be careful. Maybe a trap. Each week we chat about the 1966 Batman TV show. Where are Batman and Robin, the crime fighters? We discuss the episodes to air this week on SBS Viceland. My name is Dan Barrett, I'm an editor at SBS, and I'm joined here by a colleague of mine whose vast collection of propeller caps is astonishingly high. It's Nick Bassine. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Propeller caps and um, capes. Uh, That's the ensemble. You've always been professional just wearing a propeller cap into the office. I've not seen you caped up. Yeah, I mean, that's more for the Christmas party. That's more for um, special dates with my lady friend. Mm. That kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, you're a good role model to your kids. Well, gotta be. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Also, joining us for the very first time in Batman land, he can leave his hat on. It's Alexi Toliopoulos. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm having an absolute pleasure hanging out in the freaking studio with you guys. Oh man, is it <laughs> can not? Can you give the cursing <laughs> the heave hug? Yeah. I said freaking, it's cool. <laughs> Look, this is Batman land. There could be kids listening. Setting a weird, setting a bad tone. <laughs> yeah, I'm the bad boy of this podcast right now. I'm the villain. I'm the Mad Hatter baby. Nice. It's nice you've established this up front. Yeah. I kind of hate those characters <laughs> of whom they just seem like they're a good guy. And then like two thirds of the way through switches. Yeah, yeah. I just but, like click my fingers. I've never been able to do that in my life. <laughs> you still can't do it. From no, the I can't. Effects. Well, I did it was a second close. Ago. I can. I believe in you. I'm becoming a hero again. I believe in you. You can do it, dude. It's been 37 years. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> anyway, we're here to talk about Batman. Uh, Nick, here's the thing. I don't really ever remember what happened in these episodes. What? And fair enough. Have you ever watched the show? Didn't you just watch it? (laughs) Nick, stop ruining the pretense of this bit. (laughs) I don't remember what happened. Can you please fill us in? Okay, so the Mad Hatter has broken out of prison and steals 700 empty hat boxes. 700 hat boxes? He's tired of stealing hats. (laughs) Stealing hats has lost its fascination for me. But he's got nothing else going on, and he still wants to steal Batman's cowl for some reason. This phase of my career will never be over until the caped crusader's cowl is safely in my custody. He goes to some weird party for weirdos and steals a lady's ruby. It's gone! Batman and Robin show up and fight. The Mad Hatter throws salad at the superheroes, which is extremely effective, and then he gases them. Radioactive gas. Look out, Batman! Knock out gas! No boy wonders something much more effective. Batman tries to get help from a German scientist to decontaminate the cowl, which has turned pink. Will you please slip out of your cowl and get into this? But Mad Hatter steals it and locks Batman and Robin in some kind of radioactive death chamber. In a fluoroscopic cabinet! It's a which burns all the flesh and muscle from their bodies, leaving only skeletons and the costumes. They're dead. Murder. (laughs) Credits. But they're not dead. Mad Hatter steals another ruby, and there's a fight at a water tower. And then Batman and Robin win, and crowds of people are thrilled that they're still alive. Now, ordinarily, we'd go deep into the episode before we get to this, but I've got to ask a question. Now, I'm not a scientist. I mean, Batman's (laughs) a scientist. Nick, you're not a scientist? I am a scientist. I am most definitely a scientist. Uh, What sort of science fields? Uh, Biochemistry. Okay, you might be able to help out on this one. Alexi, science? I'm a zoologist. Yeah, so you're not going... I knew it. Okay, I don't know anything about radiology, and I would just assume... That if you've been hit with all manner of radioactive materials, who knows what he's spraying around, you maybe take those clothes off rather than run around Gotham City no. wearing that exact same costume. No way. No, you leave it on because if you take it off, mm. well, you, you might die. Okay. Well, you're a scientist, you yeah. know. Yeah. 
Okay, let's go in deep. Uh, these are two episodes. <laughs> Wait, this... also, were you more surprised by that fact, that scientific fact, or the fact that um, blue turns to pink? Oh, no, that seems scientifically sound. Yeah, right. Okay. That yeah. made total sense to yeah. me. <laughs> and might I say, what a wonderful look for the caped it crusader. <laughs> like, I don't know why he's not rocking that more regularly. Now, these episodes are kind of monumentous to a certain degree. We know that Batman came from 1966. We always talk about it being 1966 mm-hmm. Batman. Not these two episodes. These are the first two episodes from a little year called 1967. Whoa! Oh, happy New Year! Yeah, yeah happy New Year! <laughs> the Vietnam in. War is still raging. Yeah. And that's kind of just in the murkiness of this episode. It's always in the, in the background. It is always in the background. These two episodes, we've got The Contaminated Cow, which aired on the 4th of January 1967, and The Mad Hatter Runs Afoul, which aired on the 5th of January 1967. Now, these episodes are originally based on a comic book story published in Detective Comics 320. What? Yeah, apparently. Sorry, 230. I'm really? dyslexic. Yeah. It well, seemed that. very original to me. It changes so. everything. <laughs> it did. It did seem very fresh. Okay, we've got a lot to unpack here, and maybe we start with the empty boxes. Of which there's nothing to unpack. <laughs> what was the point of, of those boxes? I don't know. Why did he buy all of those boxes? Here's the thing. I reached the end of the episode. Mm. I don't understand what the deal was with the empty boxes. I don't understand what the deal was with the water tower. Why? Yes, why? There was a lot of like missing links in this episode. And I think that's... But the weird thing is like he steals these empty boxes, like hat boxes. Yeah. And it's like this crazy heist that the Mad Hatter <laughs> is doing. And that's like what gets Batman to hop out of the cave and start fighting crime again. Because it's just like, who cares? Let the guy take the hats. He loves them. He loves them more than <laughs> anyone else. You know what? People throw away hat boxes. He wants to keep them forever. Like, was he, like, he buying them? I don't remember what happens to that poor lady at the end of the scene. Uh, Wasn't she, oh, she was zapped with the... Oh, that's um, right. He took his hat uh, thingy yes. in. The hat zapper. Yeah. The man had his uh, superpower is he has a hat with a little contraption in it. <laughs> is that? Are you familiar with the comics? Is that what he does in the comics? I think in the comics. And the Mad Hat is a character that hasn't cropped up in many comics I've read. But mm. usually he's got like little cards that he puts in people's hats and it gives them... Like it makes them do things. He puts cards in uh, people's hats. I, I think they're like computer cards. Which do computer card-based things. Does he have, like, a pendulum as well? Is that him? Um, Maybe. I feel like he has tea and pendulum because he's very much the Alice in Wonderland character. Like a hypnotizing? I think he's a hypnotizer in my memory, but also... Is hypnotizer the word? (laughs) Hypnotizer, actually. (laughs) He's definitely a hypnotizer. But he's just one of those characters that, like, you don't go, oh, you got to read the the Mad Hatter arc that Grant Morrison did. Like, he doesn't (laughs) pop up very much nowadays. He's like third tier. Like maybe seventh or eighth. Yeah, tier. he's <laughs> short, right? Isn't he short? Yeah, well, he's supposed to look and feel like the mm. Mad Hatter character, yeah, like yeah. from the Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. So I don't understand. Did I just miss like moments in the show where I wasn't paying attention, which in fairness could well have happened. <laughs> uh, but like, I don't know. Did I miss it or is this just not in the story? Like, are there big gaps? Like everyone here seems confused. Mm. Yeah, I certainly didn't get it. I, I, I didn't understand most of what was going on in this episode, especially... Um, I, I never understand the the fake death episodes. They took it a little bit farther in this one. I think they they, they took that fake death so far in this episode. There's a few minutes. 
There's like a memorial service for Batman yeah. where like 15,000 people, <laughs> I think they say the number 15,000, like come to just Bruce Wayne's manor because they believe that they were friends. Maybe that's the best place to go. Come gather for this. Well, there's 50,000 that rock up to Commissioner Gordon's office. Yeah. Okay. So like there's large swaths of people rocking up. Just not knowing what to do. The thing that I noticed with the crowds, because we only see the crowds twice, there's the 50,000 outside the police station. And then right at the end when Batman and Robin save the day, there's a whole bunch of people there. And is it just me or does every crowd shot in Gotham look like it's people returning, like waiting for the troops to return home from World War II? (laughs) There's a very morose vibe of something like that. Sad hopefulness. Baffling. Well, but they're they're happy that their hero is uh, is still alive. I think that makes sense. Look, they're happy. I mean, I'm happy. I'd hate for them to meet an unfortunate death. But Nick, you're a scientist. That's right. The bat X-ray deflector, which is the mechanism that presumably allows Batman and Robin to appear as skeletons. Okay, but only the parts of their body which are skeletons and their cape and cow. The rest of their costuming, not to be visible. Mm. How does this work? Can you explain it to us? So what it does is mm. um, the little pla- the plastic emits a um, a field of um, what's known as um, vibranium. Yes, and okay, and um, and so it, it makes you think that you're seeing a skeleton when really there's there's flesh uh, there. It's all it's also um, it's commonly used in um, in children's commercials. Okay. <laughs> I was ready to see that was where that was going. Uh, David Wayne making his repeat appearance. The as same one that did Wet Hot American yeah. Summer. Uh, I believe that's <laughs> David Wayney Days Wayne. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but David Wayne. Now, these episodes, I'm having a bit of trouble with it because this is return appearance. But, Nick, you've seen the episodes where the Mad Hatter was originally in it. Who could forget those episodes? Well, I haven't <laughs> seen them because what? it's the one Batman land that I wasn't here. And heaven forbid that I watch the episodes or listen right? to the podcast where I'm not involved. That's right. There was that one that one episode. Yeah. Our highest downloaded episode. Yeah. Not a coincidence. Ooh, sorry, guys. <laughs> In fairness, he did also have the creator of The Tick on that week. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That was a great chat. I a, like that guy. A guy I've wanted to meet for my entire life. Mm. Yeah. Wow, so suddenly so sad on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Is it ever? There's one thing I want to ask. There was like a little, uh, there was something that stood out to me with the whole skeleton business with the x-ray machine. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, because when the Batman and Robin are leaving after they've made this appearance as skeletons, uh, they say to the German scientist, I believe, that uh, thanks to a couple of skeletons in your closet, we were able to get out of this. So the German <laughs> guy right. has dead bodies dangling around just in case Batman needs a little cover. Well, it's in a... I don't know if you know a lot about atomic facilities. I know so very little, actually. I was going to lie, but I can't. There's just lots of skeletons. Yep. And also it helps Batman and Robin very familiar with things in the closet. Okay. <laughs> okay. Very familiar. Yeah. When you when uh, in that expression, when somebody has a skeleton mm. in their closet, does that that just means any kind of secret, or does it have certain connotations? I think it's a dark secret that yeah. you don't want to come out, yeah. much like your own skeleton. Because if that were to come out, you are in some real big trouble, yeah. real at minimum big trouble, maximum death. Right. Got it. Okay. I want to go back to David Wayne. Uh, Wet Hot American Summer is David Wayne. Mm. And that's One David Wayne Wayne. This is yeah. technically that's W A I N. This yeah. is a W A Y W A Y N E, like Bruce what do you Wayne. Mean? What do you mean? 
different, spelled different. differently. Yeah, they sound I, the same. I know, but, but they're, they're actually spelled, spelled different. different. One has a Y, and the other one's got an I. Is it at least an ancestor? Give yeah. us that, please. Look, I'm, I'm sure that's going on. Now, do either of you know David Wayne? Because obviously, these are always celebrities mm. that are playing these villains in the show. I looked him up, and he's in a bunch of old classic uh, movies. Yeah, none of which I really had much familiarity. Kind of like Doris Day comedy type things is what I saw looking it up. Casablanca is it yeah. in Casablanca, or is that somebody else? That's Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. I think. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> That's right. I'm thinking of Humphrey Bogart. And like in terms of your Doris Days, like mm. I can do by the light of the silvery moon, mm. but that's really as far as that goes. Yeah. yeah. You can you can do that. Well, I can do the musical Give us rendition, rendition of the, yes. Yeah. I can do songs from both that and On Moonlight Bay. <laughs> What's On Moonlight Bay? What's the companion film? So by the light of the silvery moon. Wow. It Jesus. follows the same story of the family. Okay, we get it. You love classical musical starring Doris Day. <laughs> the golden years of Hollywood, my friends. <laughs> David Wayne, the only reason I know him is because he made a memorable appearance in a little sitcom called The Golden Girls, where he played Blanche's dad, who's oh, wow. often referred to in the show, and then he finally appears. And there's a weird thing where Blanche keeps on naming him Big Daddy. Okay. Oh. And she's always going on about Big Daddy. I think Big in Daddy. A southern, in, a, in a southern. Southern kind of way. Yeah. I think Big Daddy's a better villain name than the Mad Hatter. <laughs> so he should have stuck with that. Yeah. I, can, I went in on that big can, time. Can we describe him as well to the listeners? Because he, is, um, he has an appearance that is shocking to me. <laughs> he has like, he, obviously they're trying to put like a mad hat on him. He goes through a few different hats in this episode. But he has this bright like burgundy hair, but he has the darkest black bushy eyebrows a man has ever had. And it just doesn't go, in my opinion. What do you mean? He just has the wrong colour eyebrows to his moustache and hair, and it just left too many questions for me. Look, as a man with big bushy black eyebrows, and also a man who grows red beard... Okay, I'm taking a bit of offence here. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. I think it makes sense on you. It doesn't make sense on him. His hair is is red, right? Yeah. Is that fake? Is that dyed? It has to be dyed. dyed. Yeah. It's like Pippi Longstocking's colour. It's not a real red. Pippi Longstocking. <laughs> I think Does I... she have red hair? Of course. I would never lie to you. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm not to pull one over. This is the first Pippi Longstocking reference on Batman land, and I'm amazed it's taken this long. <laughs> I know. Won't be the last. I'm so yeah, proud it was me. I'm so proud of myself right now. Uh, Professor Overbeck, mm-hmm. he's the gentleman who runs the Gotham City Atomic Energy Laboratories. Yeah. Why is he going out to Wayne Manor to receive that check in a very formalised manner? Couldn't Bruce just give him the check or get like his people to mail them a check? It seems weird. It was almost as though there was supposed to be a crowd watching mm. that little presentation take place. Yeah, listen, uh, when you have an accent like that, you need you need to show it off. I think that's what it's about. Yeah. Also, the Mad Hat has escaped. Like it's happened, I think, three or four days prior to the beginning of this mm. episode. Why is Batman not apprised of this? I mean, I appreciate, as like Commissioner Gordon, I have some concerns over Warden Crichton's uh, methodologies. But even so, like Commissioner Gordon knew, would he not share that information? That's true. In the comics, Batman always finds out when the escape happens. Mm. But on the show, it's only after they do something weird after the escape. Yeah, it's days, weeks later. (laughs) Yeah. Like, surely maybe the fact that they have left the prison is a crime unto itself. Yes, I believe that is illegal. Yeah, and as I learned towards the end of the episode, and spoiler, this was supposed to be my lesson for the week, any crime, regardless of how large or small, is a violation of the public rights and the common law. Mm. And the criminal or criminals committing such an offence must be apprehended for the sake of all human morality. That was going to be my lesson. Yeah, well, this is going to be awkward at the end of this episode, (laughs) ain't it? I'll have to come up with another one on the fly. 
Uh, I like the scene at the party where Batman and Robin, in typical fashion, decide to sneak through the window and then mm-hmm. go about unnoticed. Yeah, into a party for in full Batman and Robin regalia. And then they bump into something, someone spots them, and then they're still allowed to are allowed to mill around the party like they're not noticed. That that reminded me of in Batman Forever, the Val Kilmer Batman movie. There's a scene where Tommy Lee Jones is on the bench. He's in court, and at one point, because oh, it's the villain, flashback when you see the acid being thrown at his face, acid being thrown in his face, and then Batman from the audience comes out, like from the the, the court audience, <laughs> and comes out and tries to save him. So it just goes to show that Batman loves to hang out in costume. He doesn't like being Bruce Wayne very much. I gotta rewatch that. I don't remember that part. Best scene in any Batman media, I would say. <laughs> Until this point, I've never questioned that scene. Yeah. Well, you know, he should have just been Bruce Wayne. It's normal for him to go out during the day. Uh, there's a moment where the Mad Hatter ends up spraying Batman and Robin with that radioactive material. And to me, it's a bit of a... Because mm. I love, you know, classic Hollywood. And it's a shame to me that it didn't end like the movie The Toxic Avenger, where suddenly Batman starts melting <laughs> down somewhat and starts fighting crime. Yeah. Yeah, just like Toxie. Well, he's already fighting crime, but I just want Batman to be more mutated, much like you do. Um, There's the mask that turns pink, Mm. which I think we're all fans of. What I was particularly amazed, and Nick, you can speak on this as a scientist, (laughs) but what I was really particularly taken with is Batman, it's a pink mask, but when it's exposed to the warm air of Southern California slash Gotham City, when they're speeding along in a stock footage of them in the Batmobile, suddenly his mask's blue again. Oh, Um, that's just that's mirrors I mean when you're in the Batmobile Mm. there are mirrors set up and what you're seeing is blue okay so as not to concern the populace of Gotham City yeah no matter what is going on that could be a gorilla driving the Batmobile it'll always look like Batman and Robin (laughs) yeah that's just true yeah I believe it look it up would the gorilla have a license because Batman's very concerned about road safety no Batman would get a license to gorilla how does dumb, one get a dead, licensed gorilla? Dead serious. <laughs> what, you, do you need a licensed gorilla? I'll go get you one in 10 minutes. Okay. Online? Is it one of those online pet orderings that is such a problem right now? It's that you have to actually call. You get to call in mm. service. Yeah. Nick and I spent a bit of time this morning <laughs> taking a look at the phenomenon of ordering pets online. Oh, yeah. It's a horrible epidemic. Really? Apparently. Apparently. God, gorillas Shame. too? Yes. Oh, Don't order your gorillas the, online. They affected the gorillas. Listeners, don't get your gorillas online. Uh, free range, that's it. That's right. There's a weird moment in it that I suspect that almost everybody watching in this modern era that we live in would be highly confused by. The people working as telephone operator exchanges, mm. and they keep on saying the phrase, Pennsylvania 65000, oh no, oh. Yeah. Well, that's that a song, right? Pennsylvania 65000. That's right. So this is a Glenn Miller song recorded in 1940. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's referring to the Hotel Pennsylvania, which is in New York. Mm. But I think the joke here in typical Batman style, where they take it in a slightly different direction, is the first phone operator we see is in the White House, which, of course, the address for that is 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Mm. Right. Yeah. Funny stuff. You oh, hilarious. <laughs> Strap yourself they, in. Why they call the Kremlin? Yeah, well, I think that's, that's where I got lost because I was like, oh, now we're like doing real politics right now to get the Mad Hatter back in control. Now, an in joke that I actually really enjoyed was uh, you've got the uh, like hat check lady, mm. which I've never heard of a hat check lady. Mm. I mean, oh. people check coats all the time. Yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. It's She's an old, a- it's an older <laughs> concept, but yeah. 
the yeah, original but, Harley Quinn. But wouldn't it be the coat check person also handling your hat? Is it a specific person? Do you go to a different desk? I think you go to a different spot or she walks around collecting the hats. Hmm. Okay. Well, anyway, she's talking to the Mad Hatter, who, as we all know, is named Jervis Tetch. <laughs> that's his name. Um, she calls him Jervis. I don't think they call him Tetch through the episode, but that's some additional information I'm bringing to the okay. podcast. Uh, she says, Jervis, you sound like the Joker or the Puzzler or even the Riddler. Yeah, because they're all the same character mm. in this show, essentially. I mean, largely. But I mean, I think the joke that they're playing with here is that they couldn't bring back Frank Gorshin as the Riddler for the second season of the show. So they're saying the Puzzler is a much greater villain in Gotham City mm. as opposed to the Riddler. What? Is that what that sounds that's like? That's what that's all about. So I think last week or the week before, we had the Puzzler in yes. Gotham City terrorizing the hood. And that was, that was only there Riddler, because it was supposed yeah. to be a Riddler episode and they couldn't get cautions. So puzzle me this, puzzle me that. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. I thought um, that this these episodes were monumentous because for the first time you can see that the the cowl is separate from the cape. Mm. I wonder if that's a... I haven't like gone back to watch the season one episodes, but I've noticed that a bit this season. So I'm wondering if they've done a costume like reconfiguration. Well... Depending on which Batman you watch, sometimes the cape is part of the cowl. Mm. Sometimes they're separate. What is the real one? What's the what's what's, what's the most canon? authentic? Yeah. You're, what is canon? Are you looking for me for answers? Because yeah, I've got I'm nothing for you. I'm yeah. posing the question. Oh, okay. Um, no, Alexia, I'll I let you feel this whatever, one. I think the pink one is now canon. I think that is what <laughs> I, when I think of Batman now, I think of pink cow with a slightly navy yeah. blue black cape around it. And no matter where it sits over the cape, sits over the cow, the cow would pink underneath it. Yeah, no matter right. if the cape would be protecting okay. over it. All right, that's, that sounds right. Uh, the water tower, which made no sense to me whatsoever from a story perspective, I'm pretty sure that's just the standard Warner Brothers water tower that you find on the lot there. So I think it's really just mm. someone looked out the window and went, ah, oh, water tower, yeah. and incorporated into the story. That's a great locale. And I think it was a great fight scene on that water tower. <laughs> we were zoomed way out wide so we could see all the action going on. And there was some actually, I would say, dangerous stunts in that because there was a lot of people climbing up the ladder. Like David Wayne climbs up the ladder. The guy's got to be like 900 years old. That's Sorry, not, from that's, Wet Hot American Summer? No, unfortunately not. Okay. David Wayne from Wet Hot American Summer. It's the guy from, I believe, Casablanca, maybe. And also Golden Girls. <laughs> and the Golden Girls. This was the first time, uh, and I've watched every single episode mm-hmm. very closely. Because of Golden Girls. Of, go- of both Golden okay. Girls and Batman. And um, there's a very distinct shot of a stunt double doing um, doing Robin's oh, okay. uh, punching. Yeah. I'm not but, really surprised. But I don't know why they would have mixed it up because Burt Ward was doing a lot of it. Adam West was doing a lot mm. of it. I don't know. So, suddenly you can see a stunt double jump in. Well, I think it'd be a difficult thing to maneuver because if there actually wasn't a proper water tower and it wasn't a like a prop, as mm. like a set that they built, I presume it was the real one because the audio seemed a little bit different to usual. But wouldn't they, you know, pan up up and down so you could see that this fight is happening in a real water tower? I mean, yeah, you'd think tower. so, wouldn't you? Otherwise, it just looks like uh, it just cuts off mm. like uh, it's not a far drop at all. Because it didn't quite look right. There was something weird and I think the weird thing was that it was real. Also, show us the water. Yeah, I Show us the danger in the water. Well, was there something radioactive taking place on that tower? Because when the Mad Hatter was climbing the ladder, Batman's like, you know, don't... Oh, he just kind of leaves him up there. And you, you take, take it from here, Chief. Mm. Yeah. And they seem really grateful that Chief O'Hara had rocked up, which yeah, is why? weird. That's the worst thing that could happen. Exactly. <laughs> Everything seems to be working fine. 
but until then. This is I think this is the most radioactivity per capita that I've seen in a long time. In the show on this podcast. Uh, in both. I would say there's a lot of radioactivity going on right now. But back in the show, you don't hear people talk about radioactivity as a bad thing as much anymore. But in this show, even the guy, the mad hatter, guy who steals hat boxes, he's all mucked up in radioactivity. That's his main bag. It was the 60s. We've been watching all the show, all the all the shows, obviously, and mm. uh, been most popular weapon by far, I believe, is gassing. Yeah. Okay. People are constantly getting gas. Yeah. Usually purple gas. But it, they don't really specify what the poison in the gas is. No, it's purple gas. Yeah, it might just be <laughs> rank farts. <laughs> but that's they, bad enough. But this is radioactive, so this yeah. this should be doing something different. I get, and I guess it does. It turns things back. I guess we'll find out, and maybe like. Probably 40 years' time, what's going on with Batman? When there's a museum of Batman atrocities. Now, I'm feeling bad for Alexi because there's a reference right at the end of the episode, and Alexi, who isn't watching this week to week, would have missed out the joy of hearing Alfred refer to Egbert. Oh, right. Now, Egbert, as regular Batman land listeners and viewers of the TV show would know, uh, is Alfred's brother or cousin? Brother. Cousin. Was cousin? I think yeah. so. And he works at the water facility, and Alfred and him swapped uh, costumes and roles a few weeks ago. Huh. Uh, but apparently it's Egbert's wife that works at the Gotham City Atomic Energy Laboratories, and it was her that passed on the information that Batman and Robin were A-OK. Wow. Did anybody notice that when uh, there's, there's a reference to an aquarium that has run out of fish? <laughs> when was that mentioned? What happened to those goddamn fish? When did this happen? Penguin was hungry. It was that's in what the, I'm thinking. Could it have was been. in the bat cave, and they're trying. They're trying to think of where, where they might be. Where? Mm. Oh, was this information coming from the bat computer? I think so. Was this before they flicked the switch so it was on the intense concentration mode? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds like it. But I, I just don't understand how an aquarium runs out of fish. So I'd like to correct that. It was the accelerated concentration mode. Heaven forbid that I, you know, speak <laughs> ill of such a sophisticated piece of computer. Can we, is it too late to start the whole thing? <laughs> we probably should. Let's backtrack. Also, what at the very end of the episode? What what is that thing that Aunt Harriet says uh, that Dick and Bruce suddenly know the words to? Like it's some kind of poem that everybody knows. Like it's some kind of anthem or chant. What it, what was that? I can't even remember that now. I remember that Bruce Wayne ha- did had a. Mark Twain quote at one point. Oh, is that what it <laughs> was? That no. what it was? Where he said that um, uh, I'm not the only one who has, like another great man once said, the rumors of my death are oh, much greatly uh, exaggerated. No, exaggerated. No, no, not that. Not that. It's the very end. And Harriet just starts talking about how great Batman and Robin are. Yeah, they then, are great, by the way. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then they chime in. They start saying the words to whatever speech she's giving. It's really weird. That is so... I don't even remember that at all. It sounds like I've repressed this horrible memory. <laughs> Did you watch Batman Forever? <laughs> yeah, they do explain it in Batman and Robin. <laughs> as delivered by Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. Right, nice to yeah. see you. It was a long game. When you think of Batman, mm-hmm. what which version do you think of, Alexi? Yeah. Who's your Batman? Oh, it's hard to say because he was Batman's been very important to me for most of my life. I <laughs> grew up with more. a lot of comics. I love the comics. My favorite comics were the way I, the, I think what I immediately think of is comics. Uh, I love the Tim Sale, Jeff Loeb comics, uh, Dark Victory, Long Halloween. Those are my two favorite Batman comics ever. But I guess I am exactly of the age where Long I, Halloween, unless I'm mistaken, has some Mad Hatter action in it. Uh, he, it's got a lot of villains in it. Calendar yeah. Man is a big villain in it. Uh, everyone's there. 
Catwoman. She's hanging out. They're all there. Um, but I, I think I was exactly of the age where Dark Knight came out in theatres when I was like 15 and it was such a huge revelation for me seeing that film. I had the I remember having the distinct memory of uh, having at one point going, I wish this film would last the rest of my life and I could just sit in the cinema watching it. So I, that, that was super important to me. I love those movies. Love Heath Ledger. Why... Aside from the obvious superhero mm. action of it, why did, why did it resonate so much? Um, I think it's hard to say why it resonates so much. Now I think it is because uh, there's just something... I mean, the superhero action is what's cool, but I think I loved the design of everything. I really grew up a lot with watching the 1966 movie as well, and I just love that car. So I think the design of everything, the suit, the cowl, and seeing how that progresses through different generations of the Batman storytelling is kind of one thing that I always really love. And I, I'm really into the new DCEU version where I just love that suit, but I don't like the movies. So I think them embracing embracing the comic books even more and making it kind of like a more kind of crazy stylistic choice rather than the hyper real Nolan movies is something that I'm excited by, but I'm not excited by the direction the actual films and storytelling is taking. <laughs> something I find interesting, I've been thinking about this a bit the last mm. few months since we've been doing Batman Land. It seems to me that people of whom grew up reading comics are actually a bit more reverent about history in yeah. terms of like pop culture history than other people who aren't really comic book readers. So as a comic book reader, like you went back and watched the 60s Batman movie yeah. and the things that are accessible to you. And you probably know a little bit about the publishing history of Batman as a result. And you probably yeah, just a little a bit, bit more savvy about it than people of whom are just say pop music fans who yeah. may not necessarily backtrack. Well, when you see like those little touches of, of like kind of uh, references where it doesn't feel too fan service it can get really exciting or when you just kind of like especially I mean oh, I hate bringing it up because I don't even like the movie but in the new in the Batman versus Superman how you can how there's all these hints at kind of the past that may have existed in the comic books but doesn't exist in as far as we know it's more subtextual content that's what I really dig on like but, the dead uh, the dead Robin yeah. um, costume I yeah kinda, I like I, yeah I like those kind of flourishes yeah I really like that and I think that's that's something exciting because it doesn't exactly feel like fans of it just feels like you have like a deeper knowledge that's kind of being accessed that can kind of have a metatextual subtext for everything in the film now and they so, don't stand as like weird references where someone's going what does that mean but like it just yeah. kind of feels like part of the lived in world yeah exactly lived in storytelling yeah. so so is it chris so christian bale is your batman then is I that yes i guess i gotta say christian think of uh i guess he's who i think of now is christian bale and who do, where do you put the um do you want me to rank him yeah, I've got nowhere to go. I think I do. You want yeah. me to rank them? All yeah. right, I, I will go. <sighs> Start okay. from lowest to highest. Lowest, I got to go George Clooney. Sorry, baby. George Clooney, you are the lowest. Then I would maybe... Is it because you don't care for the credit card placement? That might be it. It's the bat nips as well. Bat nips have not aged well, I don't think. At the time, when I was a young boy, loved them. I thought nipples were cool. Now, nipples are lame. I don't know. I'm kind of pro-nipple generally. I'm on, uh, the on a man, they, yeah. <laughs> they, they're uh, totally in, uh, pointless. I'm on the Instagram generation. Nipples are not part of my life anymore. <laughs> uh, then I would go on top of him, I would say Val Kilmer. I think he's a little underrated, but I don't like underrated. it. Underrated. Yeah, underrated, but I still don't like it. Okay. Then I would go Ben Affleck. Then I'm going to go... I am going to go Christian Bale, even though I said he's my one. He's oh, not yeah. my favourite one. Oh, all right. And then I would go chuck in above him... Adam West, oh. then Michael Keaton, number one. 
So that's very interesting. I think I found that on this show, people who are a little bit older, mm. um, they automatically go to Michael Keaton. That's their first and only Batman. But a lot of people do think he's the best Batman, even if they haven't mm. grown up with him necessarily. I think That's he's just the definitive because he has he has both Batman down and Bruce Wayne down, where you can kind of find there's there's differences to both of those characters. That's really exciting. In the same way that I kind of find Will Arnett as the Lego Batman exciting as well, because <laughs> he he tries to show that they're different characters, but they're not. Whereas I think in the Michael Keaton one, they're clearly different characters, but you can kind of see the links between them. And, and Christian Bale's, when he's trying to be the drunken playboy, mm. do you think that that's too much? I think it's cool because it's clearly just an act and he's always Batman. Whereas I think Michael Keaton, there's that actual separation between the characters. That I, that's just something that I dig on, that split personality-ness of the character. Yeah, because you can't really picture Christian Bale going on a date with a journalist. No way. Yeah. Not even the real Christian Bale. No. Because I don't know what of... accents he's going to do. Yeah, and like, what sort of weight he's going to maintain? Is he going to yeah. be like thin Christian Bale? Or... Is he machinist? Is Big he guy? tank? Yeah. Will he yell at you for being in his eye line? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> what did you think of Christian Bale in the Terminator movie? Uh, I think he's an explosive <laughs> talent in that movie. <laughs> he's my John Connor. Do you want me to rank the John Connors as well? What's... I think we do want that. What's okay, your... Jason Clark bottom. <laughs> Oh, come yeah, on. Clark's the Australian Jason Clark. Clark. Wait, when did he play? Um, Terminator Genesis. Uh, that's the that's latest the most one. Recent. Yeah, uh, the most recent it. one. Didn't see that one. Because I would say maybe the worst John Connor is from the TV series, the Sarah mm -hmm. Connor Chronicles. And Who plays uh, it in that? Some kid. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. What's your favourite <laughs> Michael Keaton movie? My favourite Michael Keaton movie is probably... Oh boy, that's a tough one. Mr. Mom? Do you want to say I Mr. Mom? I like Mr. Mom a lot, but I will go... How do you feel about Clean and Sober? Clean and Sober is cool. It's not I underrated. Like it. I think it's. I think he's really good in that. But the one that I'm going to, Beale I can't Juice. remember the name right now. It's the Ron Howard directed movie. It's one of his first films, and it's him and Henry, Rink, Henry Winkler, and they like start a bordello inside a morgue. Uh, no, I believe he's oh. about Night Shift. Yeah, Night, Night Shift. Shift. Yeah, I love him it's in a good that. Movie, yeah. I love him in that film. Also, McDonald's movie. He's awesome. <laughs> the founder. I haven't seen it, but yeah. I like to call it the McDonald's movie. <laughs> it's not bad. I. Yeah. It's got a great first half. I wanted it to be better, but it, yeah, it's it's all right. Yeah, He's when it's all about milkshake machines, like that film's amazing. The Brothers, I like the Brothers. The McDonald Brothers. Mm, they're the Burger King Brothers, I think. <laughs> Have you seen the cartoon? The cartoon movie? Yeah, the, oh, the cartoon movie, the Phantom, what's it called? The not, uh, Phantasm? Uh, no, Mask of the Phantasm. Phantasm. No, no. The that used uh, Adam West and Burr. Oh, oh yes, I one. have seen that recently. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. It got me so excited because it was super funny. It was just like great comedy writing. I, I thought that was really great. What do you like about Batman? He's cool, dude. Wait, He's is he your favorite? What's your um, superhero, not necessarily expertise, but mm. where, where are you with, with all of it? Are you more of a Marvel person? Uh, or is... I kind of dip and dab. I think I, Batman is my favorite. Okay. I, have a, I have a real... Uh, love for him he's beautiful <laughs> and uh, I don't know I like I like the X-Men a lot as well but I don't really like many of the X-Men films I think in films in films I go more Marvel but um, in the original comic books it's all about Batman for me sounds like someone's got a crush yeah I love Batman <laughs> who I can't even imagine someone saying my favorite superhero is Superman yeah, it just no seems way. insane I, that's such a good point 
if someone told me their favorite superhero is like, Superman, what does that say about you? I'm just like, what are you? Yeah. What's do you have thoughts? Do you have a darkness about you? I don't think so. Not like me. Interesting thing I feel I need to mention. Mm. My favorite character, Superman. Oh, are you serious? Damn. Absolutely. What really? are you talking about? I think it was clear. I said my favorite character is Superman. I think that is the subject that we're discussing, Nick. So what is it about Superman that gets you going? We're asking you the questions here. Okay, but I want to no, know. No, 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 no. You, gotta, nice you, gotta ask you can't throw down a, a bomb like that and okay. then not explain so yourself. So the thing with Superman is there are multiple versions of Superman. Mm -hmm. Where Batman has gone through a number of incarnations, yep. and obviously we're talking about the Batman 66 show, yep. or Batman 67 as the Batman <laughs> land show is all about now. Today, um, as of today. While we're discussing that, like, you can sort of see the through line with Batman. And yep. he's kind of the same character, but just adapted to different ages and different uh, worldviews, I guess. But the thing with Superman is every 10 years, they kind of reboot the character and he's doing something entirely different mm. every decade or like, you know, within a 10 year period, whether it falls in like a 90 or, you know, whatever. The period of Superman that I grew up with was this period between the... Uh, Man of Steel miniseries, which is a comic book miniseries that took place in 1987, yeah. where they effectively took all the history of Superman, got rid of the things that didn't really work, and made him work for a 1980s context. So they moved Lex Luthor from being a supervillain, just a you know, general sort of mad scientist guy, mm. to being just a wealthy billionaire. Uh, so it's Superman, the you know strongest guy in the world, and his main villain is a guy who just has uh, like Amazing power tech. within the world. Like yeah. it's it's you know uh, political power yeah. or it's financial power. So it's kind of hard to fight that. So the they kind of is gave patriarchy. Yes, they gave Superman this exactly. It's so they gave Superman like a villain that's actually kind of befitting of him, yeah. as opposed to something they can punch a little bit mm. or you know fight the robots that Lex Luthor had created. So you know take him down. Yeah. So for the 10, 15 years that I kind of grew up sort of really becoming conscious of superheroes and coming into it, I came across this Superman of whom was an everyday guy. He was like a Midwestern dude who uh, he started working for a newspaper and I love the Lois and Clark dynamic. And for me, what works about Superman is the engagement he has with his social circle. So I really like the way that he goes to work every day as a journalist. I like the way that he works with his editor, Perry White. I like his best friend, mm. Jimmy. I like his girlfriend, Lois Lane. I really like that. I like the romance that surrounds that I like the romance of a guy of whom you look at as being just a you know everyday sort of dweeby guy he's not necessarily you yeah. know anything's really to look at but he's got the secret where he can't help out his friends and sort of save the day he can't necessarily talk to them about it but you know it's a fundamental idea of Superman but the time I came to Superman was like that just core idea of Superman mm. and in that time he gets killed and so we sort of find into that you know he does have a fallible nature and so I really came of an age where Superman was doing interesting things I would argue that outside of the period that I came around and started liking Superman, I don't think the character's all that interesting. Mm. He's kind of interesting in like a 1940s context where you're looking at a guy defending like the little man, which is what he was about. He's kind of like this sort of countercultural character in the 40s. But outside of like these two time periods, I don't think he's really done anything of note. And the problem with Superman today is they haven't recontextualized him to make sense for 2018. Like he doesn't really do anything. He doesn't really reflect anything. They've taken, they've made him moody to match the setting rather than taking his context of like hopefulness and optimism and creating something around that, which I find really odd. Exactly. And if you look at millennials these days, like millennials largely don't have the same uh, bitterness about the world that your Gen Xs do. And so, like, they generally are a lot more hopeful mm. and a little bit more open to optimism. But they've never really contextualized Superman in a framework which makes sense to millennials where they yeah. can find something in him. Give him a freaking iPod and Instagram account, <laughs> and that's when I'm going to like Superman now. 
But I, I don't know. I agree even, with what you say. Everything even you say. after that speech, but that's most what, of which I, I tuned felt out. Like I, yeah. I was my brain was just <laughs> decomposing when a lot happened. Well, I still saying, don't understand. I like Superman because of the era that I came to like Superman. But I can totally understand why others don't like Superman because I don't think he's had a lot to offer outside of the very specific window that I came to the character. I think Superman fights aliens. Yeah, who cares? I think Batman's Super- in the streets. He's not interesting if he's fighting aliens though is one of my sort of yeah. big issues. I do agree. Because aliens are too fantastic and too broad. Yeah, so when you've got a guy yeah. of whom sort of stands above the rest of humanity, what's the point in just giving him villains of whom just meet him as an equal? Like, it's yeah. not yes. exciting. I do agree about the everyday, his everyday friends and he has a regular job and that stuff is interesting. Yeah. Bruce Wayne's a billionaire who's uh, by himself. Mm. I think it's the context as well is where as Batman, each of these film incarnations to an extent have had like a long and iconic impact in popular culture where they have been really accessible and have had like a not just a mainstream success but an ongoing classic success where i think even the richard donner superman films like because the there were so many sequels and they kind of tainted them rather than rebooting them or giving a new context to the character i think they've never had that like strong test of time on their side. I actually disagree with that slightly. And I think the reason why you think that is the context of... Like you're looking at it through mm. modern eyes, but you, if you actually go back and take a look at the characters, Superman from the creation of that character through to the Donner films, yeah. he was DC's number one character. Yeah. Batman, as much as we revere Batman today, and like you ask any comics fan, like who's your favorite character, Batman's always going to be like pretty near the top of that list. Exactly. Like, yeah. like we love Batman these days, but this is really something which is a result of the Tim Burton films onwards. Yeah. Prior to that, he was always just a bit of a secondary character where the comics were on the verge of cancellation a whole bunch of times throughout the publishing history Mm. of it it's managed to skate by like there hasn't been a time that batman hasn't been in publication Mm. which is actually pretty rare for comics okay but by and large like there was periods in the mid to late 50s i think where he's looking at being cancelled he was about to be cancelled when they rebooted it just before the live action show that we're discussing now came along in the 70s they were thinking about cancelling it again and then they made him dark and gritty and that then led to the burden films and going on so batman we look at now as being like the guy Mm. but really like there's a couple of bright spots along the way 1966 he became a bigger counter-cultural character than anything that you know we sort of know from comic book characters pre sort of the Marvel age onwards but yeah I mean it's a weird history for Batman we look at him differently today than Mm. he has been you can see that Superman is more iconic in a way mm. because he feels like the first superhero Mm. I, I don't think he feels like he's iconic anymore I, I feel that he's fallen out of that public consciousness and excitement level to the point where he doesn't feel like he's an icon. Beyond like the brand significance yeah. of yes. Whether people think about it now or not, I mean he's the he's the prototypical yeah. superhero. He's what happens when somebody in the forties or thirties or wherever tries to create a superhero. He's invincible, yeah. he can fly and and so in, in that way he'll always be He's got beautiful iconic. hair. That's my favorite he superman does power. Well he's got the spit call. Yeah. yeah. I guess there's just it's just the grittiness, the darkness, which wasn't always there for Batman. Mm. Although maybe it was at the beginning and then they lost it and then it came back. So when Batman started, he was heavily rooted in the sort of film noirish sort of yeah, vibe right. of the times. Mm. Yeah, the t- that TV show from the 40s is, is very noir. Are you talking about like the film serials? Yeah. Yeah, so there were two lots of film serials in the 40s. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's rooted quite heavily. 
in that. And that makes him cooler, but eh, now I'm coming around. Now I feel bad for saying that people who like Superman yeah. are terrible. But in the 50s, Batman was off fighting aliens and all the things of which you're... Was he? Yeah. So it, in the early 60s, when they were about to cancel the Batman books again, they ended up sort of recontextualizing him as being a bit more grounded. Mm. They changed his costume around and kind of rebooted Batman to a certain degree prior to the TV show starting. And it was the iconography from the comics right then that they latched into for... Well, I hate alien fighting, and that's why I like Marvel more than DC, because DC is all about aliens, although Marvel... It's hard to say. They have the same kind of... They have the same flaws. There's so much aliens in both. I like that more gritty, down and dirty New York fighting style of the uh, Spider-Mans, Daredevils, and Batmans. Yes. I love the X-Men comics as well. Mm. I was thrilled by the first two movies. Yeah. And then since then... For me, it's all about first class because that's the kind of oh, X-Men like that, that I want to grow up and see my whole life in the cinema. Yeah, I like that one as well. Yeah, uh, I only liked one moment where, um, what's Wolverine? his face? Ding dong. <laughs> Fastbender. Yeah. Oh, ding dong. Um, he, <laughs> ding dong's my favorite. He um, he kills the dude when he's drinking the beer yeah. in uh, in Germany. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That was like a Nazi hunting movie. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like the Nazi hunting aspect. <laughs> was Mark Lionside in first class? Yes, he's he's a ship captain. Yeah, well, that should be your favorite moment in that film. That <laughs> that is my favorite. Oh. You just said a second ago it was the beer drinking. Okay, beer drinking is second favorite. <laughs> Michael Ironside is unbelievable. Delivers the one of the best performances of the decade. Yeah, uh, how's Ironside never been in a Batman movie? I don't know. He's great. Make a great Commissioner Gordon. It's global treasure. <laughs> Each week on the show, we like to really take a look at what we've learned from Batman this week. Nick, we'll run with you first. What did you learn from Batman? So a lot of what I learned from Batman is normally very positive, um, like your um, the morality uh, punishing uh, crimes, great and small. The the public rights and the common laws. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I also get a lot of um, just casual bigotry and uh, xenophobia from the show, lessons, mm. uh, those <laughs> kinds of lessons. And so I learned that... Even a foreigner like Alfred, who's not born in the United States, mm. can mourn an American superhero. <laughs> so, and Harriet is sorry, surprised. I, I'm sorry for laughing at the lesson that you've learned. This is obviously important. It's, oh, it's very serious. Yeah. Um, it means a lot to you. And Harriet says, after Alfred uh, laments the death of uh, Batman, uh, and you're not even a native citizen. And I thought... That's interesting. That really Only are. Americans should be mourning Batman. Foreigners huh? wouldn't have an emotional connection. But the fact that Alfred could really is what's making America great again. It's true. Alex? Uh, my lesson would be that if you, it's more a life hack, really. If you want to make a big impression when you enter a party, wear a fez with three tassels. Damn right. That is the <laughs> highest status that anyone can be. And thank you to the Mad Hatter for teaching me such a wonderful trick. So maybe it was the Mad Hatter making America great again. I think so. It's all about those red hats. Uh, look, I learned, and this may be more of a thing I learned about Batman than I really took into my own day-to-day life. Batman, he got his pink cow. Mm. He had the option of wearing the pink cow out. He could have just gotten one of his other bat cows, okay, but they were all in the wash. He convinced Alfred to turn it down from, like, the best wash setting to just one of the lowest ones. And I learned that Batman is more than prepared to go out into society with a less than perfectly clean cow. And that surprised me. 
Do you ever um, wear the same pants two days in a row? Uh, I've worn these pants two days in a row, but I also have a wardrobe filled with nothing but brown pants, like the same <laughs> versions of these pants. So who's going to know? I reckon spill some pink on them one day, see how you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, will Nick be spilling pink onto my pants? Or? <laughs> Whoever it is, I reckon you got to rock those pink pants like the pink cow. <laughs> well, we've learned a lot this week on Batman Land. Nicholas Bassine, where do people find you if they want to engage and talk to you in the world? You can find me at Nick Bassine on Twitter. Come uh, send me your uh, your hate. Yeah, and I will. Alexi, we never really said who you are or what mm. you do. So how about we handle that now? Okay, we'll chuck it in now. I am a comedian. I'm a film critic. I'm a podcaster. You can find my podcast. I've got mic check with Cameron James and Lexi Toliopoulos. Which the- is a fantastic premise for mm. a podcast. Yeah, we go through all the films of Mike Myers just to check if they're good or not. We've been through all the films. We're at a weird point now where we have <laughs> to try and do spin-offs and do investigations about what the guy's up to now. Uh, so we're, that's a that's been a very popular podcast. If you want to check that out, that's one of my precious gems I've ever done. And we are just about to start our new podcast which is called Total Reboot we're going to be comparing and contrasting uh, original movies with their remakes ripoffs and reboots so that's really exciting for me to talk about that soon and is that replacing Mike Check? that's going to be replacing the Blank Slate Movie Podcast which is another podcast you can subscribe to that now and you will get the new stream in like three weeks when we start it up yeah, and randomly, if you go to various sort of pub trivias around Sydney, you can find a like. Yeah, hosting. if you come to, I host Golden Age movie trivia. So if you love your movies and classic popular culture at the Golden Age Cinema, I host uh, movie trivia there every Tuesday night, and it's like one of my favorite things that I ever do. And um, you can find me on Twitter at this is Alexi, and on Instagram, same same thing, same bat me, same bat Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, I found myself at that trivia and I looked up and Alexi was hosting and I'm like, well, I'm in for a treat. And then I started rabbiting on about the Planet of the Apes films. He shot me down in public in front of everyone. (laughs) He was fine. He had every right to do it. I'm an ape head. I'll go at (laughs) you. Uh, people can find me on Twitter at the Dan Barrett. If you're enjoying this podcast, leave a review on whatever platform you're using, uh, reviews or stars or whatever your platform supports. Uh, you know, it helps people find the show. Uh, if you like the podcast, talk about it on your social media. Use the hashtag #BatmanLand. Nick, you're looking at me incredulously. Nope, that's the hashtag. <laughs> that is the hashtag. I just want to make sure you got it right. Okay, fantastic. Folks, this is the end of another Batman Land. We'll be back next week, but just a very special note. Next week is actually a very unique situation where this is the first time that Batman isn't a double parter. It's a triple parter. Oh my God. Three episodes of Batman. The programmers at SBS Viceland have been very good to accommodate this. Uh, They didn't know about it until I pointed it out a little while (laughs) ago. But when they found out, they are now going to schedule all three episodes back to back. So it's from the very special time of, I think, 7 o'clock. Could be 7.10. Check your local listings. Uh, But yeah, all three episodes will be back to back. So we'll be back next week talking about an uh, adventure featuring both the Joker and the Penguin. Whoa. Too great. This is going to be a big episode. Folks, we'll be back with Batman Land. Same Batman Land time. Same Batman Land channel. Until then, 